Attention ladies and gentlemen, we're now arriving in Detroit. Once again, this is Detroit Woodward Street Station. And thank you for riding Amtrak. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> so welcome to the Watsondale Weekly Wrap-Up, where we talk about architecture, design, uh, everything in between. And this week we are in Detroit, Metro Detroit area, um, with a gallery. Go ahead, you can introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. My name is Melanie Chard, and I am the owner of M Contemporary Art in Ferndale, Michigan. Nice, nice. Well, thank you for having us this week. Thank um, you for coming. Tell us a little bit about what show you have going on right now. This exhibition is called the Teed One Residence Exhibition, and it is in memory of a friend of mine and a wonderful graffiti writer named Jordan Vaughn, who is also known as Teed One. And um, he passed away tragically three years ago, and his mother, Jenny Vaughn, set up a foundation in his memory to help muralists and graffiti artists transition from murals to fine art. And um, the residence provides a studio space for three months and um, supplies. And the artists get to participate in an exhibition together in this gallery. Um, So the exhibition features two of the first residents from the program, um, Rick uh, Brown and Roberto, uh, otherwise known as Bear Lobos. (laughs) And um, we also have Freddie Diaz from Southwest Detroit and um, uh, Rick, uh, he's known as Malt, actually. We have Malt here as well. And those two were very, very good friends of Jordan's, and um, I represent both of them at the gallery. So we included their work to kind of round out the exhibition and introduce some new artists to a kind of broader collecting base that Freddie and Malt both already have. And, and also, um, just to kind of do the whole thing in memory of Jordan and, um, and it turned out really nicely. It was a great, it was a great evening actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, we, well, we were in attendance and it was definitely, the vibe was very nice. So I'm glad it was a success. It felt friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think he would have been pleased. (laughs) I think he would have been happy. That's cool. So it's been for three years now? Yeah, he or passed when, away in May three okay. years ago. Yeah. And then the yeah. residency has been for how long now? Um, the residency start? just started in the past year, um, and I joined the selection committee after the first resident okay. was selected. Um, so I've been involved for probably the last, like, six months. There's a new current resident um, in in the studio now. It's um, through Fishnet Studios, which is out of Dearborn. Okay. And um, it's a really, really great place. And it's really there are a lot of nice artists in, in that space. And it just gives the artists an opportunity to create in a place where they have a little bit more space, a little bit more flexibility, and mm-hmm. they can kind of try to put together a body of work that um, they can be shown and, and exhibited later. Yeah. So w- we don't know what it'll look like in, in the future. Um, yeah. but for this one, we just wanted to make sure that we were really kind of paying tribute to Jordan's memory and introducing the residency to the public in a way that, that did it justice. Yeah. So definitely. hopefully we did that. Yeah. yeah. And I know that it's, uh, always tough for graffiti artists to move from the street into the gallery walls. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what challenges do you think have you seen for artists that have that, um, that are at that point in their career, right? Cause some of them, you know, being a street artist, some some street artists, in my opinion, want to stay like true to the street art and mm-hmm. don't go to the gallery. Mm-hmm. But at mm-hmm. some point, uh, obviously, they 
want to transition to the gallery. So, Well, in a place like Michigan, it helps to be able to transition to the gallery because you've got like your season, you know? Right, so right. you start in the spring when the weather kind of breaks and you can go into the fall. And luckily, um, both Rick and uh, Freddie were, were really kind and helped <laughs> and, and put, put new work in this show, even though when I called them, I was like, I know this is the busiest time for you, um, but would you be willing to do it? And they were like, oh my gosh, of course. So, um, but one of the things that I think I see with uh, when muralists transition to kind of the fine art realm is uh, adapting to scale can be hard for artists because, sure. you know, you're used to like working on a wall yeah. and, you know, taking your style and your kind of visual language and translating that onto a canvas can be difficult if mm -hmm. it's not an eight foot canvas, you yeah. know? So sometimes you see scale really playing, playing a factor in that. And then, um, also material is, is something that I see. It takes, takes time to get used to like with Rick Brown, for example, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, he's used to working in, in aerosol and then he transitions over to acrylic and oil and that just, the feel takes takes a minute to get used to, I think. So um, luckily, I think the artists that we have in the show did that well. Yeah. But um, also, I think sometimes um, style can be hard, too, because, you know, you need something that people recognize as you, mm -hmm. particularly if you want to maintain that visual consistency yeah. with your with your client base and, and with the, the broader public who might be buying your work. Mm -hmm. So um, there, there are some challenges, I think, that can come along with it. But a lot of people navigate it and navigate it really well. You mm -hmm. know, like I work with Sydney James. She does, you know, huge murals in the city and she transitions to to uh, acrylic uh, beautifully and on oil beautifully. So it just, it just depends. But, but a lot of her work is large scale too. Nice. You know, so. So you've had a lot of exposure to the artwork and art world. Can you tell us a little bit about that, like in your previous career? Yeah, in my past life. In my yeah, past life, I, <laughs> I, uh, I worked at Sotheby's Auction House in New York, and um, I was the head of the valuations department there. I worked in a few different departments when I was starting. Um, started out like selling catalogs and greeting people and registering people to bid and bidding online and that kind of stuff. And nice. then um, I went to the proposals department where I really got to look at um, people's collections overall and people, what people were selling things for and how they were placing work in various sales and doing it in a way that was conducive to the collection and conducive to the overall value of the work. Um, so I did that for a few years. It was a lot of statistical analysis and that kind of stuff. And then mm -hmm. um, moved over to the valuations department where I was working directly with experts and directly with clients. And I was sort of a liaison between the two. And um, I'd work with fiduciaries and you know, a lot of attorneys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a big part of my life, yeah. <laughs> justifying the numbers yeah. and that sort of thing. So while I would work with the experts um, who would actually place the value on the work, we would, my department was responsible for making sure that those numbers looked justified and that they were justified. And that, um, you know, you can be wrong about something, but if you're careful, then it's okay because it's, it's art, it's subjective, you mm -hmm. know, it's not mm -hmm. market shift really quickly. Right. So it just depends. And how long were you out there for? Uh, 10 years. Oh, wow. I was at Sotheby's for 10 years. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Quite a bit of time.
Yeah, it moved quickly though. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> I've been here now for seven years and it's like, oh my gosh, is, oh, that, wow. is that, yeah, like, yeah. is that true? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what did you, uh, how, can, how can you compare, um, you know, the New York, I guess, city to Detroit or since you've been here for seven years now? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the worlds I'm working in are very different. You know, yeah, when you're working at Sotheby's, it's, um, I was working with like, experts who were the very, very best at what they did. You know, I mean, that was fascinating going into someone's home and, you know, seeing what was on their walls. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just a Picasso behind the TV as you do, you know, like it was, it was really enlightening, um, for someone who didn't grow up that way. You know, I'm from just outside Flint. I grew up like in the country and in Linden. Um, so that was, that was a real eye opening experience for me. But, um, the, the thing with New York is that you know, the pace of everything is so quick and it's so rapid and there was just so much of everything. And when I moved back to Michigan and really started looking at the Detroit market and where I saw kind of a niche for myself, um, it, I noticed that there were so many talented artists working. A lot of them didn't really know how to price their work. They didn't have sort of a conduit to the to the buyers. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were a lot of potential buyers out there who just didn't know how to acquire the work and wanted to support local artists and wanted to be part of the artistic community here, but just didn't know how to do it. So, um, I found myself sort of playing that liaison role again and advising both clients and artists and, and really trying to help them stabilize their price points, Mm -hmm. um, and find collectors who, you know, kind of fit, their, their work and, and, um, help them build collections that were primarily Detroit based because that's what a lot of people I work with do. But, um, I also advise people at auction and, and, um, on different purchases from different artists and help build kind of collections that span various categories outside of Detroit work. Well, on the collection point, do you have like a few tips for anybody starting a collection? Um, well, I guess it depends on where you are. Yeah. Yeah. If you're starting, if you're starting a collection, um, I think. Because you can start at any age. I think that that's what's. Oh, I mean, my, my daughter has a collection. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, my son has a, has a, has a malt (laughs) (laughs) and and he's, he's got that, that tea belongs in in his room actually. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have collect uh, for my kids. And I think there's something about that too, because you're sort of building in, you know, uh, a love of art, but also potentially generational wealth, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the opportunity to, um, you know, like there, like art in my house is like an heirloom. Like growing up, we didn't really have things that were super nice that were handed down and yeah, maybe yeah. like grandma's earrings or something, but sure. we didn't have, you know, that sort of generational wealth within my family. And so, um, and not that we're so wealthy now, but the art, <laughs> the art is, is, is really the, the thing that we take a lot of pride in and it's an investment for us. Mm-hmm. And, an investment for our family. So I would say, you know, always buy what you like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, think about, you can always start kind of small. You can buy a really nice painting for a few hundred dollars. There, there are some in the show, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you Then as you do that, I think don't try to fill your house all at once once you've decorated it. I know people who do this too. And I mean, granted, there's something to be said for that and just like sitting back and it being done and that's wonderful. But if you're a new collector, I would really advise people to take the opportunity to learn about art and just learn about what they like because what you like this year 
is not necessarily what you're going to gravitate to a year from now. You know, people have very visceral reactions to the work and it's either, you know, color or they just, you know, something about it moves them and, you know, it could be material. It could be the artist. A lot of people identify with the story right away. And, um, I think that as people progress within their, within collecting and get a little bit more nuanced, they find that different things sort of touch them. And, um, if you give yourself, you know, if you fill up every wall in your house, then you might find something that you're like totally in love with. And then you don't buy it because you're like, I have nowhere to put it, which right. is such a first world problem, yeah. by the way, you know, <laughs> you can move things around. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I help people all the time with that. But, um, but I think that, that, you know, take your time and, and really like hit your key, um, you know, viewpoints, like the places in your house where you really feel like something is missing. Mm -hmm. And then once you get those, then you can kind of build around it and, and, you know, finding things that talk to each other, but don't have to match. Like, yeah. you know, That's your art. I was going to say, like, do you think there needs to be a curation sort of maybe like a, I know people always try to go to colors, but then some people try to go to either whether they're oil or. No, I, I mean, personally, I don't, I mean, I have a really varied collection. I'm noticing right now it's going very figurative. I have a lot of people looking at me in my house at nice. the moment, um, <laughs> but, but it just, it just tends to be what I gravitate toward. Um, but I think that uh, you don't have to say like, oh, I collect street art. That's what I collect. And if you, I mean, if you want to, if you want to collect street art, or if you want to collect women abstract painters, or if you want to have an, a collection that's focused primarily on black artists, or, you know, you could do, I mean, there's any number of things. I have a friend who has a beautiful little collection of women photographers, and that's where she focuses and she buys the best piece she can afford at that time. And so she's got a great little Cindy Sherman. She's got, you know, she's yeah. got some things that are nice. really great. Um, so it just, I think if you take your time and develop your eye, then you can really start to learn what you love. And then, you know, and then you can kind of call your collection as, as, you know, as space and time and money and all those yeah. things allow, you yeah. know, it's, it's a, it's an adventure. And I think it's, um, I mean, it can be kind of like shopping, yeah. you know, in a way, which yeah. is which is fun. But but I think there's also the opportunity to learn about it, and you can learn about the the culture or mm -hmm. the artists or mm -hmm. the you know the there are lots of different factors that go into to any different you know any any work of art. Mm -hmm. And if there aren't, you might want to reconsider that too. You know, yeah, like true. think about what's important to you yeah. in terms of of your collecting journey, and you don't have to have a roadmap right away. You know, yeah. you don't have to say like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to only collect drawings from the 1980s, you know I mean? Which th those are things people do, you know, yeah. and people can build really beautiful collections that way. And, and that's awesome. But I would say too, if you're really starting out, a lot of people will go to prints and prints are like a nice, like fun little thing you can do. But, um, if you really want to collect affordably drawings and photography are a nice way to do it. Um, I, I personally collect drawings mm -hmm. as well because they feel very process oriented. And, um, and I think that you can see the artist's hand so, so much more sometimes than in a painting, yeah, you know, course. paintings can feel flat, it, yeah. you know, by it can be intended. Um, you know, sometimes people look at something and say like, Oh my gosh, that looks just like a, is that a print or a painting, you know, yeah. because it, because the surface is so per perfect. And with a drawing, like if you mess up, you it's know, gonna live in there. Yeah, it's you got to figure it out. You know, like woodblock, woodblock yeah. prints are a really nice way for people to start collecting as well because the artist carves the wood mm -hmm. and then does a relief print. And so, you know, if you're carving a 18 by 24 piece of wood, again, if you mess up, 
you got to work it out, you know, and it's going to yeah, reflect true. in the print. And so it's all part of that process. And yeah. as someone who loves art, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a few nuggets in there that I want to uh, kind of uh, just touch on. Mm-hmm. How often do you think, how often do you suggest to your clients to switch out artwork on their wall? If they are living in I mean, every time they buy something. Well, every right? time. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite but if time. They have, but if they have like a main piece, like uh-huh. how often would you? Maybe I don't know. I mean, just like give that one a rest for a little bit and put something else in a focal point. Well, do, do you have any suggestion on that? Most of the time when I'm cycling work in my own home, because mm-hmm. I collect really avidly because, um, you know, it's for me, it's a it's a show of uh, of support for my artists as well. You yeah, know, a lot of times galleries will pick up things from the exhibitions. Um, I think that, you know, I have I have a couple of things coming and a few things have entered the house lately that my husband and I were talking about. And luckily he does all my installation. So I have the benefit of, <laughs> of like, you know, having two beers and being like, you know, what would be great is if we moved this over here and then moved everything else all around it, you know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of times that's when I'll start moving things is when something new enters and it's like, okay, like, does this, does this speak to this? Does this have a feel with this? Um, you know, I've had this, I have a painting, really beautiful painting that I bought not that long ago. And it's, it's an oil and it's in front of a window. And so it gets a little glare on it. And I feel like it just doesn't shine the way I want it to. Like it doesn't, you don't quite, it's not as dramatic as I know the piece is. And so we were talking about moving that somewhere else where it wasn't getting as much light hitting it. And so it wasn't getting that reflection. Same thing with glass. You know, Mm -hmm. I would say, um, as a, if you, if you have like a photograph or a drawing in front of uh, a window and there you don't have like museum quality sort of anti-glare glass, then you might want to consider switching those things like every couple months, to be yeah. honest with you, just so that you're not fading your pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, that's just a technical perspective, but I think you want to no, freshen good. it up like whenever you're ready, you know, yeah. whenever, yeah. like, like sometimes I'll look at something in my house and again, I have the, I have the, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of artwork, but I'll look at it and I'll be like, I don't see that enough, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, think this, I think I need to move this in this room where I'm sitting more often, you know? Yeah. And I'll do that for clients often. I'll go into their houses. I have a client who's um, been buying really regularly from, from the exhibitions, a great supporter of, of the, the artistic community here. And um, they bought they had bought a couple things during COVID and we hadn't like got, you know, they were kind of like, ah, just hold on to it until it's time. You know, this thing like got framed and we brought them all over and we we're like, let's take it down. Let's take it down, like redo all of it. And so we did. And it was like, oh, she's like, I forgot how much I love that picture. Like I haven't yeah. even seen, you know, like yeah. we don't go up there all the time. So it was so nice to move it down and have it be in the living room where I can look at it. And yeah. um, that's always fun. It's like you can repaint your house without painting. Yeah. You I know? always get, I always think it's interesting. Uh, cause uh, Brian Connolly. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow him on Instagram and he, every once in a while, he'll go down into his like archive and he'll pull out like the, um, where he rests his collection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're on just like, um, uh, they're like racks. Like racks. Yeah, I follow them yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought to myself, how cool is that, right? Yeah. That I, I obviously in Chicago don't have the space for that, but just they, he pulls them out and just like lets them breathe for a little yep. bit. Yep. And so I, because you have those pieces sometimes where you forget about them, right? Mm-hmm. And you forget mm-hmm. like how how much you really enjoyed them. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we I, I had an experience when I was at Sotheby's where we were working on an estate and we went down into the basement and these this client had racks like you know just yeah. tons and tons of work and um I was with a expert and 
it was like, oh, there's an Andrew Wyeth who just pulled out. And we were yeah. sitting in the kitchen and like, oh, my God, that's a Lucian Freud. Like, you know, just like little yeah. things like sprinkled all over the place that was they were totally innocuous. You wouldn't even know yeah. that they were there. But you start digging and like, there it is. You know, Gorgeous. it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I know COVID, but pre-COVID, mm-hmm. I guess, can you talk a little bit about more shows you go to or fairs or anything that mm-hmm. Contemporary is mm-hmm. involved in? Yeah. we Well, so the gallery um, has been in existence for just over three years. It was three years in January. So yeah, three okay. and a half now. Um, and last year changed things for sure. But um, so we did our first fair last year. Uh, it was the Art on Paper Fair, which is one of my favorite fairs in New York, um, that that is it happens the same time as the Armory Fair, and it's always a really nice price point. It's always a really nice vibe. It's done very well. Um, I had a really great experience, even though it was March eighth through eleventh, twenty twenty, um, and you could kind of feel the anxiety starting to bubble oh, really? <laughs> while we were there. Oh wow. yeah. 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 Cause wow. like there had just been a case in, you know, in yeah. New York and so it was kind of like looking at all the cab drivers were talking about it and like stalling when you left and all that sort of thing. So it was, it was very odd. Um, having lived in New York for 10 years and like, that was my experience. Like that was the last time I like literally ate in a restaurant where I felt comfortable. Yeah. Like I don't think I've been back and not on a patio since. Um, yeah. so, uh, but we do, we, we did do the art on paper fair this year. I'm kind of just like waiting to see what happens. The great thing about actually doing that fair for us while we did well and we sold work and, um, we moved a lot of pictures was that, you know, we took back a little bit more than I th- thought we were going to. And I think that was just an indication of where the markets were tanking when we were out there. You could, you could see people who would normally sell out were, you know, putting everything back in boxes. It was very, very weird. But, um, so we took back stuff and, (laughs) um, you know, more than you wanted to probably, but, um, why did you choose that? that show specifically the the art on paper fair because yeah. it's my favorite one to go to gotcha when i go okay. i because i go to the fairs all the time i do i go to our basel i go to chicago i go to um you know i go to the armory fair and i just always like the feel of the art on paper fair and for okay. me it, it really fit with my price points and i have a lot of artists that work on paper um and i had just done an exhibition with um rashawn rucker who um, I, I just closed the show with uh, this past, uh, it was March actually, and um, he does drawings. And so he uh, showed a couple drawings in that exhibition. And so that was really my big impetus to, to go to that show because I thought they would fare really well there. And um, so, but when I came back, I had like a bunch of work from 10 different artists, a lot of it framed, a lot of it unframed and in portfolios and things too. But um when my clients started calling me during COVID because they were sitting around looking at their walls being like, you know, I could really use something here. Yeah. And I, I decided <laughs> I decided to redecorate. Like decorators are still working, you know? Yeah. So so I had several clients contact me and I had like, a, I had a really nice amount of inventory of fresh new work um, that was framed. Yeah. And so I didn't have to like take it to the framer. I didn't have to, it was like literally like popping it up on their walls. So that, Ended up being a blessing in disguise yeah, nice. because when I was driving back, I was a little like, man, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, break it even. All right. But yeah. it's better when you make money, you know? <laughs> of so course, yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> and are you, so you're driving all of that out there? Or do you, we did. Yeah. Work, oh yeah. Right? I drive okay. U-Hauls all the time. That's yeah. the glamorous part of the job. I nobody know. Knows. I was curious about That's why that. I wear, yeah. You got to wear uh, comfy footwear, man. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I drive U-Hauls all over the place, That's all hilarious. over the city. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> 
all the time. Oh man. And, and talking more about like the prints and the prints on canvas, mm-hmm. I mean, are there things that, um, that you try to avoid? Obviously prints on canvas. I, I don't really like, I know a lot mm, of people don't the really G-clay. like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Make um, it sound fancy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what are, can you just give a little insight on like the difference between that and, and maybe some of the uh, wood carvings that you're saying, just the processes that are out there now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are, you know, there are different, uh, different, pro- like a lot of, a lot of prints that you see right now um, are digital and there's a yeah. real shift, obviously, like given, I mean, like look at NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. there's, there's, Which I a- want to get your insight on that too. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if I must. Um, yes. no, so there's a real, there's a real shift towards, um, digital art. Um, you know, you even see, you know, Sotheby's auctioning digital pieces. Um, so I think that there's, it's a, it's a real, it's, I kind of equate it to photography. Like when photography first started gaining momentum as a really viable art form. And a lot of people kept being like, well, is it really though? You right, know, like right, there was right. all this, this question around photography. So I think that, um, if, if someone works within <laughs> digital art and they print it digitally, it's just a different kind of set of criteria that wow. you need to examine, like the intent and, you know, uh, it still came out of someone's brain, you know, it still sure. was someone's work and thought and effort. And just because it wasn't a hand on a canvas doesn't necessarily mean that it's not, uh, relevant. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, collecting digital prints is certainly a way to do it. I think it just depends on, do you want really pretty things on your wall yeah. or do you want something that will maybe hold and, you know, even acquire more value later? Um, because a lot of times people will do prints of existing pictures, which is a absolutely valid way of doing it. Like we, we have artists who do that here too. And it's, it's a really great way to support an artist because, you know, if you can't afford a, $3,000 painting, you can afford a hundred dollar print perhaps. Right. And then it, it provides an accessibility point for, um, for clients. And, and maybe then one day, if you can afford a painting, you buy a painting. And so I think that there's, there's a really, there's something to be said for, for having that, um, as a, as an option. And I know lots of artists that like, that's their bread and butter, yeah. you know, like they, it's, you know, it takes a minute sometimes to sell, mm-hmm. uh, several mm-hmm. thousand dollar paintings, but you could sell, a hundred prints yeah. out. You could sell a hundred prints out in an hour yeah. and people do it, yeah. you know, and at a hundred dollars a piece, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that, that, that helps that's money that finances sure. your studio that, yeah. you know, so, I mean, it's, it's a hustle, right? I yeah, mean, there's, is. there's different ways to make money and all of them are valid and you just got to be thoughtful about your market, you mm-hmm. know, and, and how you want to, how you want to, how you want to navigate through that, you know, because you can buy prints at the DIA, of yeah. super famous paintings, you yeah. know, so it's it's not like it's unheard of. So yeah, a lot of artists do the hand embellishment. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, and so I mean that always adds, yeah, that adds a, an, an element of value for sure. Yeah, yeah, anything, and I, I mean, if I buy prints, I like to buy really low editions. Okay. Um, and but again, I really I try to steer towards drawings mostly, but a lot of times I'll buy prints just because I really want to support the artist, you know. Yeah, so I'll yeah. do that too. <laughs> um, but with a woodblock, uh, woodblock prints are really considered unique, even if they're an addition. So, um, and it's because every one is, you know, it's either pulled on a press or it's pulled, hand pulled by the artist and by hand pulled, you know, the artist is putting the ink on the block and then pull, you know, kind of yep. tapping it to secure the ink onto the paper and then pulling it off. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and they all have like really cool different processes for doing it. Like Rashawn Rucker, you know, will use this like little doorknob and like knock on it, like all the way across these little prints. And then, so everyone has a different, um, everyone looks different. You know, everyone will have a different level of saturation. Everyone will have, you know, spots in different places. And that's just part of, part of the thing. It's like a quilt, you know, like, um, you know, you might have a stitch that's a little bit off or Mm -hmm. a little, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's just slow art. You know, so, and then a lot of times what happens when artists finish a run, like if they say, okay, I'm going to do a run of 10 off this block, they do something called strike the block and they'll, they'll make a mark on the block so that they know that if anything came after that last piece, then it was not authorized by them. So, ah, yeah, interesting. that's sneaky. I learned little, that from Don Kilpatrick. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah, there yeah, a little, little, little tip for all you woodblock artists. <laughs> Millions you know? of fans. Don Kilpatrick is a great, a great artist to follow online. If you don't, okay. um, he he does. He's uh, the head of illustration at CCS, um, where I I actually teach a class on the business of art. But he um, he does all these really amazing videos where, that are process oriented, where he's essentially teaching yeah. on this like Instagram live video and he's always doing cool stuff. Oh, he's, wow. he's a good one to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Don Kilpatrick. Interesting. Yeah. And so are you teaching now? I start again in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Nice. How has that been going? Well, I submitted my syllabus today. There it was go. only a couple days late, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. yeah. It's good though. I like it. I like, I like teaching because, um, it gives me the opportunity to, uh, be close to the students and um they teach me so much they're all so smart and they have like great artists that they follow and you know sometimes i'm like it's like cutting edge though too right like they're in the know oh yeah oh i mean i'll ask them like hey is it okay if i let my kid watch this thing and they're like no you know what i mean like they'll tell me or they you know they'll give me series of books that inspired them when they were little and you know so i've like the warrior series for example my students taught me about that and so i have my kids read all of them and so um yeah it's really cool and and I think what's really interesting, or what I found really interesting actually since I started teaching, which was just a couple of years ago, is how many women are in the program oh, wow. um, within the illustration program. Like as I'm, I'm 43, and when I was in college, you would not see that many women who were looking to be, um, you know, uh, game designers or um, character designers, environmental designers you know, that kind of stuff. And I found it really cool. Um, and yeah, you know, great. yeah, like, I mean, I would, there'd be like three boys or three yeah. men, three men in the class yeah. and, uh, and you know, like eight women. And I was like, wow, okay. This is not the ratio I expected, nice. which is kind of amazing, you know? Yeah. So it was so cool. So the business of art? Well, it's actually, my class is called Beyond the Portfolio. Oh, and okay. so, um, I just help artists, uh, kind of navigate, you know, we get like the website and get an Instagram yeah, yeah. account. That's not, you know, like you drinking with your friends and, yeah, you know, kind yeah, of yeah. get your LinkedIn profile, your yeah. artist statement. And, and I also just help kind of guide them to, to help them find, uh, and define their voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, a lot of students, I think, particularly when I, when they're starting my class, which is like their juniors, um, I think they changed it to seniors this year, but they were doing a lot of work that was related to coursework. And so, one of the biggest things I hear is like, oh, I don't have a style. I don't know what my style is. I don't know what my style is. And it's like, well, are you drawing every day? Yeah. If you're not drawing every day, you're not going to find it. Right. You know, the best artists draw every day. They do it every day. And if you're not doing it every day, the person who's doing it every day is going to be better than you. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, like I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to, <laughs> no, you know, but like, no, no. but if you're a musician Absolutely. that doesn't play every day, yeah. then the person who does 
is yeah. going to be better than you. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's at this point, you know, it's just practice, yeah, you know? Absolutely. So, um, I think that it, the more time you put into something, the more you get out of it. So even if it's bad, I mean, mm-hmm. like I've seen more bad Picassos than like mm-hmm. I care to remember, honestly, mm-hmm. but you see good ones because you work so hard, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the good came out of yeah. it, you know, and, and there are lots of artists that struggle or have series or, or points in their, you know, their evolution where things are tenuous and it's like, doesn't quite feel right. And you, it feels unbalanced or like not quite there. And that's normal, I think. And if you're not hitting that point, then you, you might just be relaxing, Yeah. you know, and are you really evolving and are you really growing? And, mm-hmm. um, are you just going to be selling the same paintings in 10 years that you're selling now? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then that's okay. I mean, there's nothing you, you can be that artist. Sure. It just depends on what kind of, you know, what you yeah. want to do. And really. the style will change too, right? Mm. Yeah, like it's okay. it's like fashion, man. Yeah, it's like you, fashion. You tell yep. them that you know, and or at least when I talk to like interns or things like that, I tell them like you know your design taste will change mm-hmm. over. It'll evolve. Excuse me, not not really change. I mean, it'll change, but mm-hmm. it evolves as a um, as a designer. So yeah. Um, that's great. You have a lot of things going on. Definitely work every day. I mean, it's the same thing with having your own business, right? Like you have to work on. I that work every, every day. Today was today was my day off, day. and here I am. There yeah. you are, working. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, my, it's okay. It's okay. I don't like. I don't mind because I love what I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you if you love what you do, you're you know, yeah. it's like you're on vacation all Absolutely. the time. You, you know? touched on the DIA. Can you talk about more of the institutional work that's going on in Detroit? Anything interesting or? I don't know if, uh, if there's much going on. Between well, I mean, you know, a lot of things are going on, I, I, I suppose. I mean, there's always, you know, institutions are always, uh, you know, kind of in this point of, of acquisition. The DIA has recently been acquiring more work by uh, local artists. In particular, they've been looking at acquiring local black artists, which is wonderful, um, so that the collection is more representative of the community that mm-hmm. lives here. And um, that's interesting. I mean, there are always great museum shows like, Mario Moore, who's from uh, from Detroit, he has an exhibition um, at the Charles Wright Museum, which is like beautiful. Um, nice. Yeah, I think that you know institutionally. Oh, and and there there have been big changes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. yeah. A lot I mean, of the museums. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of like across the board in lots of places. And she but means like head changes. What's that? You mean like head changes, mm-hmm. personnel like, changes, and board changes, and board changes. And yeah, yeah, like all kinds of things, yeah. like. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's just, uh, I think it's, it shows, um, and how long does that take the flush out? Would you say, how long would you would estimate it, like to have the board changes really influence what happens at the institution? We'll I mean, see. Cause that's, I don't know. I don't know tough, the answer. Right? I feel like yeah. a long time. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's like anything, you know, any kind of corporate environment, yeah. any sort of, yeah. any sort of, uh, you know, I mean, that was one of the reasons that I started my own business was because, um, you know, working in a corporate environment, like could, I, I, I have to say I had a ton of autonomy in my job, uh, when I was, when I was working in auction and, um, I was able to take on things and I was really given a lot of, uh, a lot of leadership opportunity and it was wonderful. It was kind of like, you were like a mini entrepreneur, like within mm-hmm. the, within the business, because mm-hmm. it was rapidly changing with mm-hmm. the, with the evolution of just even like the internet and Instagram and all these different things were kind of happening while I was there. And the market had collapsed in 2008, and then it was kind of on. And everyone was like, "Wait, art didn't collapse? Like, right. what? 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 Is right, this, right. this a real thing?" You know. Yeah. So that was interesting. But um, I, I think that you know, being in a place where you are responsible 
through things, but you don't necessarily have control over them can be a little bit hard. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally started my own business, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have a boss. I mean, I have clients. Sure, sure, I have sure. clients. So that's different. That's different. Um, different yeah. kind of bosses, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, you can fire your clients easier, yeah. you know, um, depending <laughs> how bad you, you need the money. But um, I think that it's been really, it's, it's interesting because like I could change everything tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I could change my name. I could change my logo. I could change mm -hmm. my website. Like all of it could start over if I wanted. I could change my whole program. Yeah. And I'm the only person that I have to answer to, really. Mm -hmm. So um, there, there's less flexibility in, in institutions, particularly in large-scale institutions. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll take a minute, but I, I feel like it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, particularly with curators and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think they'll ever dive into the NFT market over there in institutions? Well, I mean, I, I think South, it's... Sotheby's obviously has. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gosh, I wish I could hear those conversations. Yeah, um, yeah. be in that room be right. so interesting. Um, yeah. But you know, I think that there, there. Once the, I don't think that the technology surrounding NFTs is fully up to the value that NFTs are getting. I don't know that the technology supports the value at this point, particularly okay. when you're looking at things in the millions of dollar range and people are hacking them. Yeah, I mean, let's just say that. Yeah. But um, I think that. Real art will never, and when I say real, like traditional, right, in terms of like something you can put on your wall. Um, I think that the that's always going to be important and that's always going to have a place because it's really fine art is is for personal and personal satisfaction. You know, you buy something because you want to enjoy it. It's like, I mean it's a luxury. It's mm -hmm. not, it's, I mean, many people think it's a necessity. Like in my world, it's kind of a necessity because after living the way I, I, I do, like having nothing on my walls would be like, Oh my God, I think it would really impact me physically and mentally, yeah. honestly. But, um, but I think that you'll never really get away from people who are preserving work, collecting work, um, supporting artists who are making the work. I think that that whole infrastructure is, is really strong and probably will continue to be. I think that what in the short term where I see NFTs is maybe just like we were talking about prints mm -hmm. being another way to support an artist that's mm -hmm. affordable potentially mm -hmm. and that you can get something that you still find value in. I know there are lots of other ways that people are doing it and collecting it, particularly within like images and sports and all that kind of stuff, but within specifically within the fine art range yeah. realm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's, it, It'll be cool to see where it goes because yeah. I mean it's obviously going to go somewhere. It's not going to disappear, yeah, right? Sure, yeah, it's. I mean, sure. it's here. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the party. You know. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the future. Like, what do you see? The, obviously, the gallery or some mm -hmm. things. If we catch up next year in 2022, what uh, what hopefully has happened by then? Uh, well, hopefully, I'm back to fairs because those are really fun. I yeah, like that. Um, but I think that uh, people have seen how they can transact um, without being in physical spaces. I saw a lot of work online. Everybody kind of does. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't really replace seeing something firsthand. But no. um, I mean, I think that for, for my gallery, hopefully, I'll continue to broaden my collector base um, and continue to take Detroit work and Detroit artists and get them into bigger and bigger markets um, because I think the the caliber of the work deserves it. Yeah. Um, I have several artists who um, have are, are growing 
and their markets are growing. And I think that they're, you know, they're going to be doing some institutional shows and exhibitions in um, other cities. And so I, I act as, um, a, a real like support system for, for those artists, particularly the ones in, in the city and help them kind of navigate some of that. Like, you know, I've got a show with this many pieces and, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, what do you need from me? You know, yeah. like, can I help you? You know? Yeah. So it's a very community based, uh, place. Like, I mean, any given day, if I'm here, you see artists rolling all day long, you know, they're picking mm -hmm. up money, they're dropping something off, they're yep. saying hi, they're looking at the show, they're talking, you know, talking to each other. Oh, so-and-so told me they were going to be here. So I, I really like that there's that um, community kind of element of the gallery. And so I'm hoping yeah, to maintain that. And um, I don't know, be cool to get a bigger space at some point, yeah, but yeah. I like my location. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of changes though, just in the world. So I yeah. think that the fact that we're still here and, we're very consistent. Um, and we had a really great year. I mean, the That's art awesome. market didn't, didn't tank with, with everything else. I think if anything, it helped people realize what was important and think about how they can kind of contribute to their community. And if you're, if you're not a cultural producer, then you're probably a consumer. And mm -hmm. how are you going to do that? How are mm -hmm. you going to consume that, mm -hmm. that artwork? Are you going to buy it at home goods? Yeah. Not there's anything wrong with that, but hopefully you know, not. hopefully not, hopefully, hopefully not. not from, from, a, from a small art gallery. Hopefully not. So yeah. Uh, well, can you tell us a little bit about the artwork that we see in the frame here for those of you who are yeah. watching us via YouTube? Um, uh, we will just probably run some B-roll over that too. Yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. so these pieces are by Rick Brown. These are oil on canvas. Um, and Rick was the first resident in the Teed one artist residency program, but he was also a very, very good friend of Jordan. And, um, they painted together quite a bit and these pictures all depict Jordan actually. Um, and they were done from photographs that Rick had. And the, the one in the middle, is actually of Jordan and Freddie Diaz, who's also in the show, and nice. it's them painting together at the Red Bull House of Art. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And uh, Freddie was a resident at the Red Bull House of Art, and Jordan came, and they had these um, these trains that that they did and put in the exhibition yeah. um, that Freddie was in, and um, Jordan came in and, and did one of the one of the trains. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think what what I really love about these, though, I mean, for a dark palette and for for them being as moody as they are. They really convey, I mean, this one in particular for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, sure. It just looks like him. Like, I yeah. knew it was him even before he told, I would have known it was him from like across the room just because Jordan was a friend and that's just like his posture exactly. And, <laughs> and I think, but I, I think it's a, it's a nice way of conveying like the graffiti culture, but also doing it in a very painterly way. Like, this, this looks like fine art, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and Rick is, is, largely self-taught in terms of what he's doing on canvas. He's been a, he's been a writer for a long time. And, um, so for him making that transition, I mean, I felt like he came into this show and was like, like almost like the underdog in the sense that like, no one really knew what was going to come yeah, out. And then it was okay. like, all of his pictures got snapped yeah. up and we were like, here you go. Like, look, <laughs> everybody loves it. Like it's he brought possible. him in. Yeah, I know he brought awesome. him in and I was like, oh, these are so good. Yeah. Like I just, I just like the feel, you know, they just have that they've got a mood to them. And this one, I think you, it's like you're, it takes you all the way back into the end of the space. Yeah. You know, you're just like diving into that painting. That's great. Um, yeah. And they feel, they feel really familiar to me, which I like. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, you know, thank you for the hospitality. Where can people follow you and contact you? And reach um, so Instagram or M Contemporary Art. Uh, my website is mcontemporaryart.com. Um, we, we're always posting stuff about studio visits and, you know, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm out and about. Like I'm, I integrate within the, the Detroit art world a lot. Like I go to shows, I see different artists and um, even artists that I don't represent or whatever. I still know them, know their yeah, work, so cool know what they're them, doing. Yeah. And yeah, it's a very friendly town. And that's, um, you know, back to your question before about the difference between New York and Detroit. Like it's friendly here, you yeah. know, like everybody goes to everybody's shows, like you see people and everyone wants to know what people are doing, but it doesn't have that same level of competition like or that feel you know yeah. I mean, everyone's competitive like sure. they're you know i mean it's sure, doing sure. what they do this yeah. is their job but um it's it's very supportive yeah you know everyone's know. just if, if i hear that a show sells really well at another gallery i'm like means sure. the market's doing good you yeah. know what i mean it means yeah. there's buyers that's excellent you know yeah. so that's it's awesome. it's good for those people you yeah. know it's good for the artists so yeah, yeah. well cool yeah cool. and um Thank you again just for the hospitality and we'll be talking soon. So. Thanks for thanks for the time. I appreciate it.